<clears throat> Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again, our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. Thanks for another fun-filled week of uh, talking with so many of you guys. Um, appreciate all the feedback and and comments and topics and suggestions and uh, really a lot of compliments from people. And, and Julie and I take this very seriously. Um, I can say it's the highlight of my week uh, as our population audience has grown to a worldwide level. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, never thought it would take off like this, but uh, here we are in our second year, um, I think, doing this. And uh, there's definitely no shortage of topics in this field, an ever-changing field. And whenever you get into the area of human behavior, it, it's... You know, predictable and measurable to a certain degree, but um, everybody is unique and they have their own traits and characteristics and the strengths and abilities and weaknesses. Um, so, like, you know, like, as, as, you know, the whole concept of, you know, are we individual souls or just smaller parts of one larger soul, I think is a pretty significant question and um you know i'm definitely you know born and raised catholic but certainly uh, evolved into a much more spiritual person and definitely definitely <clears throat> that 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 plays itself out in my work role uh but again thank you uh for everybody uh hopefully you guys who are following us on instagram have noticed that we started posting more uh julie's doing a lot of that um i can figure out how to put things onto our Story page. I haven't quite mastered the reels yet. I think Julie's working on that um, and working a little more on how to put the whole reel out there. So we are trying. And so thank you for all of the likes. Um, so today's topic is one I think that is is kind of um, was one of the reasons for starting the podcast is the whole concept of what's called resiliency or another term is called psychological hardiness. And the two terms are essentially interchangeable. And it's basically an individual's ability to persevere through difficult times. And I'm, I'm just going to stick to the realm of mental health because that's obviously what this whole uh, podcast primarily focuses on. And, you know, resiliency, I think, is, is something that is, is very, uh, it's, not, it's not tangible. And you can just take, take a look at the lives of some people's stories and uh, look at certain people, like, how do they come through that? It could be a story of somebody with a long history of, you know, complex PTSD, multiple forms of abuse, but yet they're able to have a loving, healthy, happy marriage and uh, effective parenting skills. Whereas other people who may have uh, endured similar uh, a similar situation may have turned to substances or may have contemplated or even attempted suicide. And I think this is where you really get into the uniqueness of all of the different in individuals. Now, how it kind of came up with this is Julie and I are watching a Netflix series called with Christina Applegate called uh, "Dead to Me," and uh, you know, it's like this. This kind of what popped in my head is we're kind of like binge watching this at at, at night uh, after work. Um, Woman loses her husband. Uh, we were only on the second season, so that's not going to give you spoiler alerts. But the woman loses her husband um, in a tragic accident. Doesn't really know who the killer is, but it it's it just kind of dawned on me that this is how my mind works. Like 
I've seen this a lot, like how she's able to go on. And I, I, I can talk from my own experience as being uh, someone who's pretty young and having lost both of his parents. Um, my mother um, having died uh, of just a massive heart attack without any warning. And that was uh, just like life just said, here, this is this is what, you, this is what I'm confronting you with. And uh, I was uh, very close to my parents. Uh, I was a mama's boy, not going to lie. I'm the youngest of two older brothers. Um, but that was, that was a situation of which uh, I, I can recall very vividly um, of going to the hospital and just knowing instinctively that my mom had died. And, and that was a situation where life just thrust itself upon me and I think it was the support of my family and and my my friends and my faith that uh, got me through it but that was that was just you know totally unexpected my mother wasn't sick my dad had just retired uh, they were building a huge house out in the suburbs which surprised because my mother swore she would never live in the suburbs um, but she was an amazing individual, and I, and I miss her and my father every single day. Uh, so if you have parents, kiss them, call them, talk to them, because one day they won't be there. So when my mom died, uh, I was always close to my father, but we developed a very unique and special relationship because um, he was my everything. And I remember telling Julie, uh, wait to meet my dad. He's just, he's a, no one you ever, no one you ever kind of met before. And I was so overprotective of him. And I told Julie, I think probably in our first or second date, like my worst fear was losing my dad. And, uh, I would call him nonstop if he didn't answer his phone. Sometimes 20, 30 times a day. Cause I was constantly worried. Like, cause he, I, I'm in Massachusetts. He's back in Chicago. Um, and that that worry will become will become paralyzing. And when he got diagnosed with cancer, I remember to this day. This is kind of the model of the theory of a flashbulb memory hypothesis. I think I talked about one of the episodes of, developed by Brown and Kulik in 1985. Um, when events are unpredictable and have a high degree of emotionality associated with them, we encode memories very deeply. Uh, so most of us who are listening remember 9/11. That's a perfect example. I remember being on a treadmill at Lifetime Fitness in Schaumburg, Illinois, uh, before going to work um, and watching the plane literally crash into the World Trade Center. Um, so with my father, you know, I I was, <clears throat> it was my worst fear, but I, I, I don't, it has to be something mystical, something ethereal, something spiritual for me to be able to get through what my worst fears and Julie said, I, I, when that day ever came, this is before I think he was ever sick. She's like, I, I, I don't know what she said exactly, but he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to, how I'm going to keep you together. And it's, it's through the grace of God and through, through the love of, of, of my wife that helped me get through what I always anticipated would be my darkest day of losing my dad. And I don't know where that comes from. I do think having a strong faith and a strong connectedness is something bigger than ourselves, whether you call that God, whether you call that the Alpha and the Omega, whether you call that uh, Shiva, whether you call that uh, whatever you ascribe to. I do think resiliency 
can be amplified by having connectedness to a higher power. And I'm speaking from a personal experience of, of, of my worst nightmare coming true and driving straight through from, from Duxbury, Massachusetts to Chicago, Illinois, uh, nonstop with Julie with my father's suit that he asked me to bring and pulling out of the driveway and leaving Duxbury and knowing I was going to see my father for the last time. And I knew it all the while. And what has always been a coping mechanism for me is work. I could just bury myself in work. And I brought files and I brought evals and I, I spent as much time with them as I could. But, you know, once we got back to Massachusetts because the pandemic was starting and nobody knew what, what COVID was and all of this stuff and things were shutting down. My brother's being in the police department. It was like, you know, Armageddon. Um or like the movie Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman, but it was it was it was it was terrifying. Um, but it, there's, I, I think we all experience certain things, and it's amazing that the power of the human condition. Uh, I talked about Viktor Frankl uh, surviving Auschwitz. People have endured horrible things, and, and and I'm not saying I was traumatized, but people can go through different events and different situations, uh, whether you have a, 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 a psychiatric condition or not, or are in a relationship with somebody. Um, you know, this is this is where it becomes tough because uh, you know watching somebody, you know, a parent's watching their child be hospitalized 24 times and going inpatient, that can be really tough. Um, you know, watching uh, you know a child that you've raised uh, just become totally self-destructive and, and turn into drugs and, and not having any way to deal with it. So it really is not just always the individual with with the psychiatric problem, but it's also the people that are in a relationship with it. But the son, what I've always said to myself is. The, the, the world is, does not stop for our problems. And the sun always rises the next morning. You know, it, it sure as the night turning into day. Uh, it sure is the, the, is the ticking of the clock on the wall. Life does not stop. And I think that's where we have to make our own individual choices of what are we going to do when we're presented with something that we didn't necessarily ask for. It may be choice that we made that we put ourselves in a position that resulted in us developing depression or developing anxiety or whatever with the work. And maybe that's 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 psychotherapy, that's medication, that's self-reflection. I want to really impart that that resiliency is something that is a part of all of us that we all have the capacity to overcome. It doesn't mean the outcome is going to be this rosy, picturesque garden that we've envisioned, that, is, that, that we are completely immune to life. You know, I, I, I'm not immune to sadness. I'm not immune to anxiety. I'm not immune to uh, just life. And I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I can share this because I, I've experienced two of, the, two of the worst things of losing two of the most important people in my life at, at, at a young age. And, and, and it, the only word I can come up with is it sucks. But I found somehow in some way to get on. And, you know, again, leaning heavily on Julie was a huge part of it. Leaning heavily on, on God was a part of it. And, you know, my dad lost his parents at a young age. And and I remember he, he always felt he got cheated because he lost his mom. She would have multiple strokes when he was a child. And he was had to take care of her and give her baths and stuff like that. And he always said he felt he got cheated. And it was like what he kind of said. He's like, I always wish there was one like one day a year where the people you love from heaven, they get to come down and you can spend the day with them and then they go back. Not, not a bad idea, Pop. Uh, but at that time, I never really kind of connected it with like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be sitting doing a podcast on a 
Sunday afternoon talking about that same quote my father says in in kind of a eulogizing reference, which is kind of ironic. So resiliency is, uh, again, it's not a tangible thing. I think it's a mindset. I think it's it's a connectedness. It's a belief. It's it, it it's not. This is not uh, you know. This is not selling selling you know, like smoke. This is selling positivity and 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 the capacity to overcome. And and you know what what difference what differentiates people from you know two people experiencing the same event and having two totally different reactions. One being able to overcome it. The other you know succumbing to a, a life of misery and destruction and despair. I don't know. I think there's multiple variables. There could be predispositions. You know, we know the, the diathesis stress model. There may be a genetic disposition to bipolarity, to depression, to anxiety, and certain stressors could mutate genes and, and, and make an otherwise dormant gene activated, thus manifesting the, the whatever psychiatric condition it is. Uh, so I do think that, that there is a component with that. But, you know, resiliency comes when we're able to persevere and come out the other side, and you're going to come out the other side with scars, and those scars are okay. They are reminders. They are reminders of the past. We cannot disconnect ourselves from the past. Uh, but as I've said in previous episodes, the beauty of the past is that's where it remains in the ether of time. Uh, you know, go back to one of the episodes I did on, you know, Wayne Dyer's, you know, the uh, wake of the boat metaphor. We have to constantly work on moving forward, myself included. It's very easy to get on the pity bandwagon. And, you know, if you surround yourself with other people who just, you know, lament with you and validate, you know, how difficult it is, it, it, it I think it kind of stymies resiliency and keeps people stuck. Um, I think resiliency is something that is an individual journey. It it often requires the help of other people. And by an individual journey is you're the one putting your head on the pillow every night. When all the other people are gone and you're the one waking up in the morning, having to decide what you're going to do with each day. And that's something that we all do. And these are universal truths. These are universal experiences, independent of where in the world someone lives. It's, it's what we do with the time we have. And, and, I'm, and I, in no way am I saying don't allow yourself to feel and go through something. I'm saying don't allow yourself to be stuck. You don't allow yourself to bring the world down with you and bring other people down with you. We are all entitled to bad days. We're all entitled to be grumpy. We're all entitled to have, you know, off days and, uh, you know, that that's fine. But, but we don't have a right to stay there. We do not have a right to stay in misery and complain and do nothing about it. When there are options and tools and people and resources available to help us through that. For example, psychotherapy, neuropsych evals, Psychotropic medications, uh, talking to your, you know, uh, primary care, talking to family, talking to, you know, a, a local, you know, priest or, or you know, religious person. Uh, you know, people, I think, in a general, generally are fundamentally good. I don't think people are really inherently born bad. I think people can make bad choices. But, you know, the whole point of this episode is to, is, is to instill a sense of hope that whatever you're going through and validating, yeah, it may suck and it may be really hard and you may not see any way out. Or if you're on the other end of dealing with somebody with a mental health issue, you may be having the same thing. I, I have nowhere to go. I have no I have no options. There are options. In the, in the episode I did about conscious choices, I, I've always said you are never, ever, 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 ever without a choice. 
You just may not always like the choices of the options available to us. And sometimes we go through periods of life that do suck and are painful and are hurtful and are traumatic and are, and are, are, are dysphoric. Um, but I think getting stuck there and, and, and staying there is, 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 is not appropriate. You know, I'm not saying don't grieve, don't mourn, don't be sad, but I'm also saying do something about it. You know, I always tell people you can get to complain once, but stop complaining if you don't do anything about it. And it doesn't mean you have to get to the other side the next day. Things are a process. And and, and, and our Western civilized mindset, we don't like that. We want it done now. We want it done the next day. We want it done, you know, our package delivered when it you know, when you know, within twenty four hours. So I think our mindset has definitely shifted uh, because of the culture that we live in and, and, and online streaming and everything is immediately available to us in, in, in the Western society. But I think it's so important that we stop and take stock of what we do have, um, things that we take for granted, the air that we breathe, the food that we drink. Uh, or the food that we eat, the, you know, the, the water that we drink. I mean, yeah, it could be like, yeah, I, this, the last thing I want to hear about is, you know, I just, you know, my wife just left me and I'm going through a really hard time. The last thing I want to think about is, you know, well, the, the, who cares about the water? Yeah, okay, you can have that mindset. It's understandable. I'm just simply saying it's not okay to stay there. Don't stay there because you will just per- perpetuate misery and unhappiness and bring it up, you know, and and just be like a dark cloud that's going to swallow everything around you almost like, better example like a black hole but resiliency in and of itself is a fundamental property a fundamental mechanism i would say that is inherent to individuals that we are able to overcome um i think i think you know factors that probably play into it are early messages growing up um you know, positive, obviously, uh, early experiences with dealing with difficult situations and be able to process it and talk about it with, with, you know, parents or teachers or, you know, other people that can, you know, validate and be your, be a witness to it. Um, but so I think there are, there are some, some variables that are factors to it, you know, temperament, which I've said, you know, by the work by Thomas and chess is our biological predisposition to reactivity. So some, you know, our, our thresholds, uh, one may react to something here and, 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 you know, another person may not react and that's, that's more of a genetic thing. So I think there are, there are some variables that probably factor into resiliency, um, but you know, you even look at Oprah's life. I'm not a big Oprah fan, but she went through a horrible upbringing and, and you know turned her life around. So I always like to look at the outliers. You know, you can't say every situation results in this type of outcome. That that that, that is a false, misleading statement. Not everybody who is suffers abuse of any type has PTSD. Um, but you know, resiliency is something that is is powerful. Is something that I think it's a place we have to get to. I think it's something that first we have to be you know recognize that. Uh, you know, I wasn't planning on being resilient when my father was diagnosed with cancer. I, I really wasn't. But I I knew that I had a, a, a family. I have a wife, I have a job, I have a profession, I have a responsibility, I have stepkids, I have siblings, and I knew that the easiest thing I could do was just bury my head in the sand and just, and I did, I cried. And I cried the hardest I've ever cried in my life. Um, probably to the point where I think Julie didn't know what to do with me. Um, but I, I was mindful of being future-oriented 
you know, maybe some of it comes from my upbringing. Maybe some of the, some of this comes from uh, my training and education to be able to talk about this. Uh, but I think during times of during difficult times, we don't really think about resiliency. We think about the problem in and of itself and all the ancillary parts that are associated with the problem. Um, I don't know if Julie wants to jump in because she's walking around. Um, yeah, just for a couple of minutes. <clears throat> Hi, everyone. Um, thank you for your patience with uh, pa uh, the uh, Instagram account. I just learned, uh, again, my daughter-in-law uh, taught me last week, uh, took two hours on a Saturday to kind of help me post stories and post posts. Um, what I wanted to clarify, and I apologize for, uh, is that the posts that I'm making, they're not the full reel. Um, in fact, it's bumming me out. I really wish I had like an IT person that could help me with this. I, I we really need to do that. But um, the, the point of all these stories is the end part, <laughs> and they're getting they're getting chopped off. So I'm I'm really bummed about that because um, when I post something, I mean it. Um, there's a few things I wanted to say um, about the posts themselves and the people that I'm that I put on our posts. So, um, first of all, I, I apologize in advance for the swearing. Um, there are, there are some posts that swear, but you know, I swear, I don't, you know, it's not always ladylike, but I do swear. Um, but the sad guru, um, the posts about, you know, being your own best company and he's just really a, an interesting person to follow. So I would suggest that you follow Sadhguru if you can, if you're on Instagram or even if you're, you know, you're on a Facebook too. I, I'm sure he has a Facebook page. Um, because you, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to agree with everything, right? You know, these people are out there doing their work and what, what they're, what drives them, their passion, their higher awareness, their, um, dedication to, uh, healing and, you know, have gone through their own healing. I don't know that Sadhguru has, I think he kind of started um, kind of in a self-reliant place um, and continued to do it through his entire life. So um, the other person that I post about is Gabby Bernstein, and I really like her. She's obviously, you know, a very big influencer out there. But like uh, Dr. Nicole LaPera, uh, the holistic psychologist, they're both... Um, they both have suffered from trauma and uh, whether it be a big T trauma, small T trauma, complex trauma, um, they all have trauma backgrounds. They both have trauma backgrounds. And um, the Gabby in particular, Bernstein um, writes and talks a lot about, she's very influential socially. And she goes, I think she has a lot of gigs like um, Jordan Peterson, um, maybe Anthony Robbins. But uh, she talks about what it's like um, to be addicted and um, how how numbing it is and, and the, the, the rationale behind it. And I think that that's part of what we're trying to undo here, too, with the stigma of addiction, where um, Dr. Nicola Perra, her, her partner, Jenna, um, her Jenna's brother passed away, I think, from it. I'm not sure if it was an overdose or what. I, wanna, I don't want to misspeak here, but... Um, it, it, it had to do with a, tra a traumatic background and also um, addiction and how people become addicted to things. And 
it's really about how in like uh, Dr. Um, Vanderkolk, he's a Bessel Vanderkolk. He's a very famous trauma specialist. And he, I think if he hasn't written a book, he does seminars about how the body keeps the score. And I think that also to weave everything in is, you know, weaving in Dr. Nicole LaPera and the work she does to try to follow her on Instagram as well as Gabby Bernstein. Um, because they give you uh, tools, they give you scenarios, they do vignettes, they, you know, um, they're very relatable. Um, they give you tangible things to do when you need to calm your central nervous system down. And literally, that is what's happening. When you're anxious, you have trauma, your cortisol levels are, you know, churning, and, you know, your amygdala is on fire. And that is a very hard process um, when we think about the past, when we worry about the future, um, we had past events. Um, lastly, I do want you to follow these people if you aren't already, because then you'll be able to get the full caption of everything I post uh, until I get that fixed. So I don't really know how that's going to get done, but, um, Mel Robbins is another, uh, woman who is very well known, very much an influencer out there. She's excellent. She's written books just like Gabby, just like Nicole. Um, she was the one I posted the other day about how she was finally diagnosed at age 47 with ADHD and attentive type where a lot of people from her generation and my generation were the daydreamers. You know, we, we did have ADHD, you know, not saying I definitely do, although I definitely think I do. You don't. But I wasn't formally diagnosed with it. Anywho, um, but, you know, having having finally hearing someone talk like that about and bringing awareness about uh, having struggled with a lot of these things. Um, and lastly, I want to mention, um, uh, let's see. Where am I? Hold on. Sorry. Um, Dr. Gabor Matei, um, he is, he is very much a specialist and an influencer in, with regard to trauma and what he, what I listened to the other day and what I saw the other day as a reel, um, that he had posted. So I would, I would follow him, Dr. Gabor. It's, it's G-A-B-O-R-M-A-T-E-M-D. So uh, he's a psychiatrist, but he works a lot with trauma. But what he was saying in this last post that I posted was how, yes, the body does take the score, uh, keep the score. But um, if something happens to you, um, if, if, it, if it penetrates, not to, if it's whatever kind of abuse it is, but it just kind of, it gets in there and it settles and it causes trauma and a trauma reaction the good news is that it can be healed. And that's what I think in essence is what these influences are trying to do. And this is what we're trying to do is like destigmatize mental health, mental illness, um, you know, trying to keep the spin and keep open about it, trying to, um, you know, educate people out there who are obviously very curious and also can relate to a lot of the topics we talk about. These people, I don't know much about Gabor's history. I don't know if he is a child of trauma or an adult child of trauma or whatever. I don't know that much about him, but I do know this, that, um, that there are people who are resilient, but what does resilience mean? What does resilience really mean? 
So I guess it would have to be, it's probably a personal thing, right? Resilience is you, you heal, you get past it, but it doesn't mean you forget it. Um, but you keep going, you know, you brush your knees off and you keep going, you get the help you get and that you can get. I believe that if you believe in a higher power and you believe in quantum physics and, you know, the, the, the positive energy and trying to, you know, um, just being mindful of your thoughts. Um, I, I don't want to get off topic because I tend to do that, but just kind of bringing it back to what does resilience mean to an individual person? Does it mean I can function okay and go to work? Because there are some people who really suffer from trauma injuries. So, um, and again, resilience is different for everybody. You know, why does somebody have a same similar experience than as someone else, they develop PTSD symptoms and the other person doesn't? Well, that's kind of a wonder of the world, but it happens to really has to do with resiliency. Um, but we all have resiliency. Um, we're born to have resiliency. We're born to survive. So um, anyway, not to get totally off topic, um, but I wanted to kind of bring bring back like the point of what I was trying to. There was a post. Um, I, I don't remember her name, but I did post find it on a reel. I put it in my story, our story. Um, don't let let life F you up. And I wish that you could have heard the end of that because it was so touching and so moving. She literally came from a situation where she was, had, you know, abuse in her life and that she, she wasn't dealt a full deck. She was not in a psychiatric way, like some people say, which is mean, but just she, she had a rough, she had a rough start. And, um, however, she kept going, she kept going, she kept going. That happiness is a choice. You get up if you don't like your job. You have to change the way you think. You have to change the, your attitude toward that job. You have to change how you feel about that. I mean, there was a time when I didn't really like my job and I was burnt out from my job. This, this happened on two occasions, once when I was a therapist and once when I was a prescriber. And I had to listen to, you know, really healing things. And that means on my way to work, and home from work. I would listen to Wayne Dyer. I'd listen to Joel Osteen or whatever, whatever that was for me. It literally changed my viewpoint on my job because number one, I have to be very emotionally sharp and available to all of my clients. That's my job. So I know what I have to do, but I also know that I need to be in a certain mindset. When you have that higher power and you have that rational the teaching, the, the wisdom, and you can grasp onto these concepts. Like if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. It's true. That's literally cognitive behavioral therapy. So I'm pulling these things together because this, the, of the posts that I'm making and you would have more clarity on that. And that's why I wanted to talk today to apologize formally that I'm not trying to do a half-assed job. I'm really just not skilled in this area, but I will continue to work on this. But please follow these people that I'm posting about. If you follow them, you'll be able to see their stories and their posts, and you will find the ones that I post. So I'm definitely uh, grateful. Thank you so much. Um, thank you to all of our followers and our listeners. Um, and thank you for the feedback. You guys are amazing. You you constantly are a, a, a positive 
um, influence on us and uh, love and light. And, um, and we're truly very, very grateful by the grace of God that we have you in our lives. Sending you lots of love. God bless you. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Julie, for all the free promoting that Julie does for everybody. But these are reputable people. I think there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there, but we're trying to, you know, parse out um, what is good and what is reputable. Um, but resiliency, um, you know, I Julie kind of linked it all to trauma. It, it's not always about trauma. It's just about the things life throws at us. Sometimes we see it coming. Many times we really don't. And sometimes we are we are the perpetrators and creators of our, of our own misery by the choices that we make. But uh, like I said, keep be mindful that the sun always sets and God only gives us the grace for today. We don't have the grace for tomorrow. So if you're struggling, if you see someone struggling, encourage them, encourage yourselves. Um, the human condition, like Julia said, we are designed to do one thing, and that is to survive. Um, I think we've, you know, I, I don't think, you know, the beginning of, you know, the human species, it was necessarily psychological survival as much as physical survival. But as we've evolved over the years, many decades and centuries and millennials and eons, uh, Psychological survival is a very relevant and viable topic um, and part of psychology. And um, it's really an individual journey. And sometimes we need companions along that journey to get us where we are trying to go. So until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Feel free to reach out to me at Psychology Today. Uh, psychology unplugged at outlook.com uh, follow us on instagram at psychology underscore unplugged underscore uh, you can contact me directly at 617-750-9411 east coast standard time in the united states until next time take care of yourselves take care of each other be well i will talk to you guys next week